Hello and welcome back to another episode of Inside the Asperger Studios Presents Stories. Have you ever wanted to get into podcasting and didn't know where to start? Have you ever wondered what to do once you start a podcast and where to go from there? Well, my next guest, Dave Jackson, and I talk about the School of Podcasting, which is a school he started. And we talk about him and we learn much, much more. So sit back, relax, and grab your favorite beverage. And I'll see you on the other side. See you there. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Inside the Asperger Studios Presents Stories. Today I'm joined with Dave Jackson. Welcome to the show, Dave. Oh, thanks for having me. Looking forward to it. All right. So I always like to start off with, tell me about yourself. Well, I uh, started podcasting in, in 2005. I've been doing that now for, you know, 18 years. And along the way, I've uh, won a couple awards for Best Technology uh, in 2018, I was inducted into the Podcasters Hall of Fame. In 2020, I was approached by Skyhorse Publishing to uh, write the book, Profit from Your Podcast, Turn Your Listeners into Livelihood. And about, I think it's seven years ago now, I started working for Libsyn, which is one of the mm. uh, oldest and largest podcast media hosting companies. And now I'm the head of their podcast education. All right. So how did you get into podcasting? Yeah, I uh, I had, because my background's in training, I was teaching people, like I used to teach people how to surf the internet because they didn't know what it was. So I've been doing this a while and I was building websites and such. And I one of my other passions is music. So I was uh, in a band and I had a website for musicians and a friend of mine had come back from this mud, big marketing conference and he said, hey, you know, the next big thing is going to be podcasting. And I'm like, what's a podcasting? And I I remember I Googled it and there was one and a half pages of results. And I was like, I think we broke the internet. How do you spell that again? Podcast? One and a half results. And I was like, wow. And at the same time, they were also saying that membership sites were going to be the next big thing. And I'd just seen so many things like come and they're like, this is going to be big and I'd miss it. And then another thing would come, this is going to be big and I'd miss it. And so everybody was saying, this is going to be the next big thing. And I was like, what if we combined a membership site and podcasting? And so at that point, I launched the School of Podcasting. And I had already started a podcast for musicians. And I think I'd done it two weeks. And you got to remember, this is 2005. And I remember I got a, a voicemail from a guy named Michael Van Lahr in Nuremberg, Germany. And I'm in the middle of nowhere, Ohio. And some guy on the other side of the planet has not only found my show, but I actually liked it. And I just grabbed my flag and I'm like, I hereby claim podcasting as my jam. Cause for <laughs> me, it's, it's creative. You can do kind of however you want to do it. It back in 2005 was a little more technical, which scratched my technical itch and the fact that you could help people. So I was like, I, I just see the power of it. And that's when I really just got into podcasting. All right. So how did the school of podcasting come to be? Yeah, that was it. I had been teaching in the corporate world forever. And the uh, the the downside of that is about every seven years, they would hire a bunch of sales guys who couldn't sell. And instead of getting new sales guys, they would always downsize the training department. So I found myself in between jobs. And my, my first degree was in electronic engineering. 
And, but I'd kind of fallen into the training department. And so when I went to get a new job in training, everybody said, well, you, you don't have a training degree. So I had to go back to, to school with the ripe old age of 40 something. And uh, I was like, well, I'm going to need a job to help pay for all the school stuff and keep me in my phone and my car and books and all that stuff. And that's when I was like, well, and which is funny because I always tell people mm -hmm. the one thing you don't want to do is start a podcast and try to make money quickly because you have to have an audience. And I didn't have an audience, but that's why I launched the school of podcasting. But that's also why I was building websites for people. I was in a band. I was giving guitar lessons, anything I could do to make money at that point in the early days I was doing. But uh, that's how it came about. All right. So why do you think podcasting has blown up the way it has? I think the biggest thing is what really spurred it in the early days was it was not radio. It was people talking like we're talking now. Like, I'm not sitting here going, all right, everybody, what are we going to do? Traffic and weather on the 10s. Nobody talks like that. <laughs> and so it was completely different. It was, you know, you could say whatever you wanted and it was just different and it was better. And along the way, you know, like this show has a really niche focus with, with uh, autism and all that. And so you can't get that kind of information in other places, and especially in a kind of long format. I mean, Conan O'Brien gave up his television show because he was tired of doing six minute interviews with pre-made questions. He wanted to do something where he could actually get to know the person. So it's, I think that's the biggest thing. My biggest worry is I see people still trying to turn it into radio where, mm -hmm. you know, like, there's nothing wrong with, with having ads in your show, but from what I've seen from programmatic, they're really low. And unless you have a really big audience, it doesn't really pay to have those. And so the answer to that then is wait, if they don't pay that much, well then I'll cram three or five or 10 ads into my, my episode. And now we're back to radio. Radio is about 30% advertising. And I always tell people, I go, that is the benchmark we're trying to avoid. It should be much less than that. Cause that's what, forced everybody to to go to radio because it was just nothing but ads all right what would you say the number one rule of podcasting is know your audience because it doesn't make any sense on what gear you have or what your website is or what's like if you are you know let's let's say you start a podcast for whatever you know for uh, meat eaters and, and your audience is a bunch of vegans. Well, that's not going to work. You have to know who your audience is, what do they want, and then give it to them in an entertaining fashion and on a consistent basis. So, and when I say get to know your audience, it, you know, it can't be like everybody. And I get that. There are some shows that are like, we were talking about that earlier. Mm -hmm. But if I'm doing a show for widows, right? Okay, widows. Okay, well, there's a big difference between an 80-year-old widow that, that lost their spouse to natural causes and a 32 year old widow that lost their spouse due to a war. That's mm -hmm. two. So you, when you say, Oh, it's for widows, I'm like, okay, well, you know, who are you trying to attract? So it really comes back to who is your audience and then why are you doing this? And then where those cross is the, what, what am I talking about? That's going to entertain my who, so I can get to my why. And I think sometimes for me, the number one thing is starting with the who. All right. What do you tell someone if they say they want to make money podcasting? 
I say get ready to do that. Uh, start today and then really start taking steps about three years from now because the the strategy is plan. So you're not just winging it. Again, who's my audience? Launch. And so now you you get your show everywhere. Apple, Google, Spotify, Amazon, iHeart, all those things. You get it there. And then you're going to start to find your voice. And that's when you're going to grow your audience. Mm-hmm. That is what you need to do. And then the fourth phase is monetize. But a lot of people don't plan. They just throw, I'm going to start a podcast. Sounds like fun. They launch and then they go to monetization and you're trying to monetize dust. You don't have an audience yet. And so you you have to kind of go through those steps. And the planning part is the the one thing I see that people don't do is athletes have preseason, authors have, you know, rough drafts and people record an episode and they won't take any time to get some honest feedback on that. They'll ask their mom, Hey, what do you think of this? And mom says, Oh, it's great. Look at you with your microphone. It's so <laughs> You're so professional, but in the end, it's not very good because it's the very first thing you recorded. So I always say record your first couple episodes with the intent of throwing it away. It's your rough draft. And the second one and the third one will be better. And eventually you get one that you're like, yeah, this one's ready for the public. So that's, uh, that's the phase. So if you, and also if you want to make money with your podcast, he said, of course, uh, go to profit from your podcast.com and buy my book profit from your podcast. I did a, I interviewed about 70 different podcasters about making money with your podcast. So it goes over, there's many, many more and many, many better ways of making money with your podcast than programmatic ads. Yeah, that reminds me, my very first episode was done via um, Skype. And hmm. lo and behold, it wasn't like Zoom where you can divide up your audio. And there was just so much noise. I tried to edit it out. And I just got to the point where it was just a headache. And I just put a disclaimer in the, in the show notes saying, be warned, this is my very first episode. There's going to be a lot of noise. Be yeah. patient with me. Well, that's one way to handle it. You know, it's the question is, would somebody then tune into the second episode if the first one was full of noise? And, you know, there's there's really no rules. It's really up to you. And so some people would say, no, I wait and and make sure I got the noise out of there. Maybe re-record the interview or re-record whatever it was. Uh, and then other people are like, you know what? It's listenable. It's good enough. And so it's really up to you. All right. You obviously been in the podcasting industry long enough. Let's talk about some of the do's and don'ts of podcasting. Sure. Uh, Do. Well, we kind of talked about those. Know who your audience is. uh, Know why you're doing it. So why could be, well, I want to keep my brand in front of people. Okay, well, then I might do three shows a week, but they're real short just to keep my brand in front of people. If I want to show myself as an expert, maybe I'll do a 20-minute show and I'll do a deep dive on one subject to show people, look at what I know. Uh, you know, if and usually the the most profitable thing is to have a podcast be a marketing arm for whatever product and service that you're you're selling. So that's the going into the the why part there. And then the other one is you have to promote it. And so I always tell people, if you can tell me the eye color of your audience, you're doing it right. But when you go to, you know, Twitter or now threads or, you know, the other 800 different social platforms and you go episode 16 is out. Well, that doesn't make me want to click that. But if I say Dave Jackson gives you the, you know, equation of podcast growth, 
somebody might click on that. You know, you have to think about what's the big takeaway from this interview, because I see that a lot. They'd be like, episode 16, Dave Jackson. Okay, number one, I, I wish I was Brad Pitt or some A-list uh, you know, person, but most people don't know who Dave Jackson is. And if they Google it, they're going to find out about a basketball player in England. You know, so <laughs> if you have the takeaway, what are you going to learn from this? Because your your title should make people want to click. Your artwork should mm -hmm. grab people's attention because they're going to see you before they hear you. So do that. And then you you have to tell people about your show. And that's where I see a lot of people drop the ball. 70% of podcasters are found via word of mouth. And so I had Jack Reicher on the School of Podcasting. He's the guy behind uh, uh, the Darknet Diaries. And I might have just butchered his last name. Jack, we'll say, from the, the Darknet Diaries. But anyway, <laughs> and I asked him, I go, he gets 300,000 downloads an episode. And I said, how are you doing that? He said, I slowly, specifically, and confidently ask my audience to share the show. And he goes, and if it's good, they will. And I was like, okay, yeah, but seriously, what do you do? And he goes, no, that's it. And so I listened, and he he says things like, hey, we're at the uh, the 32-minute mark, and obviously you've enjoyed the show because you're still here. So could you do something? This is actually going to benefit both of us. If you could just go to your phone and, and click on the share button. It's probably in the upper right-hand corner. Click on that. Do you know like one person that would enjoy this show? Could you share that with them? Because number one, they're going to think you're amazing because you just shared this great show with them. And number two, it's going to help me grow my audience. So if you could do that or just send them to, you know, darknetdiaries.com, that would be great. Perfect. I hear other people say things like, hey, um, you know, if you kind of like, I mean, you don't have to, but like, if you know, like the, the show, it's, you know, our, our website.com. Um, thanks. Like, wait, what? So people get really weird when it comes to promoting themselves because we have mm -hmm. imposter syndrome, um, things like that. And and if your show is actually good, you're not selling somebody, you're you're helping them. Mm -hmm. You're like, hey, this is gonna make you laugh, cry, think, grown, educate, or entertain, or hopefully more than one of those. So you're not really selling somebody that and and you need to to do that. I had a friend of mine that I knew her at the time about six months and I helped her launch her podcast. I listened to all of her episodes and I said, how's the podcast going? And she said, I'm not getting any speaker gigs. And I go, wait, you, you do public speaking. And she goes, Oh yeah, all the time. And I go, I've known you. I've listened to every episode. I said, I've never heard you mention it. And she said, well, I don't want to be salesy. And I was like, you got to let people know they can't, they can't hire you if they don't know you do it. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be, a big giant sales pitch. I go, start off your next episode like this. Say, I was speaking to some high school, some high school kids this week in Brooklyn. And this one kid came up to me and he asked me this question. And I thought that'd be a great topic for the podcast. So that's what we're going to talk about today. I go, there you go. You just let your audience know you speak to high school kids. It doesn't have to be, you know, a giant sales pitch. So it's, uh, but it does take time. Nobody wants to hear this. But when I interviewed all the people from my book, most people that were making, you know, a decent amount of money, a little more than, you know, a car payment, they're, they're making decent money. They were doing it for three years. Uh, and because it, again, step three is grow that audience. And it takes a while to do that. Now, a lot of people have heard me say that. And they're like, Hey, Dave, I've been podcasting for three years now. It's time to monetize. And I'm like, that's not the way it works. What's your, what size is your audience? 
and they think, oh, I just have to do this for three years and I can make money. I go, no, it takes three years, at least for my research, to grow an audience. And so now you can make some money along the way, but in terms of like, wow, I think I'm going to quit my day job. Those people have been doing it for years and they've been, you know, uh, Jack, going back to Jack, he did a focus group, right? I, I talked about how you have to get, you know, real feedback and he would give them a, an episode and he would ask them, how far did you listen? If you didn't listen all the way, why did you stop? And on a scale from one to 10, where 10 is, I'm going to tell everybody, how likely are you to share this podcast with a friend? And he said, if I got a seven or an eight, I wasn't happy. I was looking for nines and tens. So once he got those, you know, really good uh, reviews of people saying, man, I would share this with everybody. Then he launched. And that's why he's doing those kind of numbers. So it's, it's one of those things where a lot of people think a podcast is just two people having a conversation and it is kind of, but a podcast is that conversation with the boring stuff edited out. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Now, now let's get to know you a little bit more personally. Where sure. did you grow up? I grew up in Akron, Ohio. I'm actually right now back in the house I grew up in. Uh, it went through a couple different family members and I recently took it over and I've been fixing it back up because it's just falling apart. So yeah, we're about an hour south of Cleveland. So Akron, Ohio. All right. What motivates you, inspires you and drives you? Uh, I, I think motivation has always been, I just love to help people. I don't know how I got that gene. I don't know why I have that gene. But I am definitely a people pleaser. If you get into the the different love languages and things like that, I am a people person and a, a a people pleaser. So there's that. I just every job I've ever had, whether it was a paper boy or a, a grocery worker, or later I was a waiter. I always try to leave things better than when I showed up. So that's something that that kind of motivates me. And I've just I grew up kind of poor. And I didn't know it at mm -hmm. the time, but looking back, I go, yeah, we didn't have a whole lot of money. And so I always kind of felt like I was on the outside, kind of looking in at times. And so that's one of the things with podcasting. I think what drew me to it is everybody can get their voice out there. There's really not much stopping you from, from getting out there. So helping people, getting your voice out, those motivate me. And then I love to make people laugh. Uh, my, uh, my mom was hilarious and I kind of inherited some of that. So if I can make somebody's day a little better, uh, that's that's even more uh, icing on the cake. All right. What's the best compliment you've ever gotten? You saved my life. I had a uh, listener of mine that said, hey, uh, I heard your episode where you said sometimes having a podcast can kind of give you a purpose. And he said, my best friend of 20 years was killed suddenly. He goes, uh, his job of, of 20 years, he had lost his job and he was pretty sure that he had cancer. He was waiting for the results to come in and his favorite holiday was Halloween. And he said he had already decided that on Halloween, he was going to take his gun and end his life via suicide. And he said, but I heard your podcast. And he said, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to try a podcast. And he goes, I started it. I'm having a blast. It's given me a purpose and I no longer want to kill myself. And it's hard to make me speechless, but I'm at the time I'm in the basement down by the water heater with a microphone trying to teach people how to podcast. And this guy emails me and says, Hey, I credit you with saving my life. I, I was like, I, that's okay. That's a I, number one. I'm, I'm very happy about that. Uh, he actually had his phone number 
mm-hmm. in his email. And I actually call him uh, every Halloween just to see how he's doing. Uh, but that was one that was not expected. I was hoping people were going to sign up for my membership site or something like that. I wasn't expecting anybody to email me and go, thank you. You saved my life. That kind of reminds me of when I got, when I first started my blog before podcasting, yeah. I get, I get this message in saying, Hey, I just want to thank you for all you're doing. I'm autistic and I have stage four colon cancer, but I'm not writing about me. I'm writing about my sister who is also autistic who my father won't let outside into the real world. I'm going to talk to him about it and say, Hey, listen, she needs to be let go and to help to venture off into the real world. I just want to thank you for everything you've done. Wow. And that's just amazing. It it is. It just hits you right here in the heart when you get something like that. Yeah. It's, uh, and it's, it's so weird because there are times if you're, especially if you're doing a solo show, you're talking into an empty room and you have no idea, you know, the impact on it until that's why I like to go to different events uh, sometimes to speak and things like that. Cause I actually get to meet some of my audience. And then you, you realize like, wow, I just, it was just me talking into a microphone and you find out how it, the impact you had on people. And it's amazing. Yeah. So anyways, why don't you tell me about three influential people in your life and how they impacted you? Well, my mom would be the first one. She, uh, my, my dad was a long distance truck driver. So it's not that he wasn't around because he abandoned me. He wasn't around cause he was doing his job. So my mom was just amazing. Um, uh, my mom was the kind of person when I was a teenager, I would come home from work and my house would be filled with my friends because everybody just loved to hang with my mom. She was really, <laughs> really cool. So my mom is definitely one. Um, without getting too philosophical, Jesus Christ is a big friend of mine. And so my mom died when I was fairly young and it, I credit Jesus Christ with the guy that got me through that. Cause that just wrecked me. Cause she was my anchor and the anchor was gone. And it, it's the day she was supposed to come out of intensive care was the day she died. So that was quite the, the, uh, you know, mm-hmm. switch, you know, you're, I'm getting mm-hmm. ready to go see her. And it's like, no, she's gone. I was like, wait, what? Third person is a toughie. It's it's a cross between two Daves. One would be David Letterman or Dave Barry. And I'm probably going to go with Dave Barry. Dave Barry is a uh, comic writer. Mm-hmm. He used to have articles in the Parade Magazine, for those of you that remember Parade Magazine. And I've read all his books. He's just super sarcastic. And he he and I have the same kind of weird humor. And so I remember growing up, the Sunday paper would show up. Everybody, you know, somebody grabbed the comics. I'd grab the Parade and sit on the floor and read the Dave Barry article and just thought it was brilliant. So that's a guy that probably has a lot more influence on me, but I, I really just now thinking about it, I, I go, really, that guy probably had a lot more influence on me than I, I thought. All right. What makes you feel inspired or like your best self? I think one of my favorite things, I, I have two. Um, one was I helped a, a student when I was teaching in the corporate world and we had a plan to help people get their GED. And I had a kid come to me and he's like, man, I mean, math are not friends. I'm like, nah, you got it. It's a puzzle. I'll show you. And he just kept telling me how, I, I don't think I'm going to be able to do this. And I'm like, with that attitude, you're not, but hold on, let me show you. And so I worked with him for a couple of weeks and he ended up getting his GED and he came back in and he was, he was crying. He's like, I, I really didn't think I could do this. And, and you told me I could, and I did. And I had a very similar experience with a woman with a podcast. And she called me up and said, I want to start a podcast, but I'm never going to do it. 
And I go, what does that mean? She goes, me and technology are not friends. I hate technology, but I, I really want to do this. And I'm like, all right, well, we'll we're going to baby step it through. And I remember she called me the day her show find up. It showed up in, uh, at the time it was iTunes. And I just remember her screaming in the phone, I'm in iTunes, I'm in iTunes. And I go, yeah, I told you yesterday when we submitted it, it'd be about 24 hours. And she goes, no, you don't get it. I really thought I was never going to do this. And I'm in iTunes. And that just put so much gas in my tank, for lack of a better phrase, that I had mm. taken somebody who was convinced that, you know, and then later it was, well, nobody's going to listen to me. Well, yeah, a bunch of people listen to her. So it's it's always fun helping someone that for whatever reason, they just think they can't do something. Mm-hmm. And you go, hold on, you know, we can do this. And you walk them through it. I know that feeling all too well. When I first started podcasting, I just kept thinking, no one's going to listen to my show. I mean, who's going to listen to me to talk with people about autism or whatnot? And then lo and behold, I started throwing my shows up on YouTube. And all of a sudden, the numbers start rolling up. It went from 10 to 20 to 30. Now I'm sitting at over 200, 200 subscribers. Yeah, it's it, I mean... It's weird because sometimes what you feel is your negative can be the thing that sets you apart. For me, I've never been officially diagnosed, but man, am I all over the place. I'm the king of tangents. So I definitely probably have ADHD. And people tell me it's kind of interesting because I'll be talking along and something comes up in my brain. And I I think somebody who isn't ADHD would probably stay the course. But I'm going to take that tangent, and sometimes that's entertaining to listen to <laughs> because of whatever's in my head. So it's the thing that makes you you. Yeah. And I, I'm with you on that. I uh, There's a thing on Netflix where Garth Brooks is playing Central Park in New York City, and he's convinced because he's a country boy. Nobody in the big city is going to want to listen to a country guy. And uh, he just got this big award for the, like, the top-selling male artist and the key to the city, the whole nine yards. And then he basically locked himself in his hotel room because he was convinced that nobody was going to show up. And so finally, one of his road crew came up and handed him a piece of paper. And they said, uh, you know, they had to move the barricades back. And he's like, why? Because there's nobody here. He's like, no, he goes here, hands him the piece of paper. He goes uh, and Garth looks at it and he goes, you're telling me there are 890,000 people out there. And he goes, no, Garth, I'm telling you there are 890,000 people out there 90 minutes ago. And so it's it's weird to watch Garth Brooks, one of the top selling artists mm-hmm. of all time, sit there and convince himself that, you know, oh, nobody's going to want to listen to little old me. And by the time that concert happened, it was close to a million people. Wow. So so, yes, people will listen to you. I mean, the other thing that really blew my mind was I'm, I wanted to know where I was in standings and stuff and ratings. And then I just type in my podcast and reviews. And next thing I know, it says. But I'm I'm number two listed by Feedspot as the number two autism out of 20 podcasts to listen to in 2023. Nice. Congratulations. Thank you. Now, let's get back to the question. Sure. Fini- finish this sentence. I am at my best when? Mm. Boy, I'm, it's hard to explain. When my creative juices are flowing, I, I just, I've been this way. I was just uh, out to dinner with my aunt and I was explaining. I remember when I was in my twenties once and I was really just feeling it. And I've got a drum machine and I've got built my own little music studio in my basement. I'm going through and I really enjoyed the music I was doing. And 
I got done and I was like, you know, it's probably time to go to bed. And I walked upstairs and it was four o'clock in the morning. I had completely lost all track of time. But what I was doing was just, you know, you just, I don't know how to explain it. The the creative juices in your, your brain are just going Mm. bonkers. And this fits with that. And you just see things differently. And that's, I love when I, you know, I think now they call it your zone of genius or whatever, or you're in the zone, but there are times when, um, back when I used to write music, you know, and the lyrics are just, they're just coming to you. So stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, well, and that's usually mm-hmm. for me, I'm a night guy. So usually around 11, 12 o'clock when things get rolling, I'm like, all right, now, now we're talking. Well, in the ASD and the ADH world, that's considered hyper-focusing. Yeah, I can see that. All right. If you can turn back time and talk to your 18 year old self, what would you tell him about where you are now in life? Hmm. Uh, I won't at 18 at 16, I got fired from my first job because I was too shy. So I, I would say, you know, continue to come out of your shell and, and just the fact that, uh, save more money. That would be one. I spent a lot of money on, on musical instruments and things like that. But, uh, and I would also say, you know, uh, again, my faith, you know, there's a, uh, verse in the Bible, it says that God has a plan for you and not to harm you, but to have you prosper. And, you know, by 18, uh, year old self had no idea that the world was going to take a real major turn here real quick and just, you know, hang on tight and appreciate every day. Uh, one of my favorite movies is, um, dead poet society. So the whole Mm. carpe diem thing, you know, take every day and just, uh, embrace it. All right. If you can have a billboard with anything on it, what would it be and why? Oh, that's a great question. Um, love your neighbor as thyself. Um, we we are so right now. It's you know, I live in the United States, and I swear we're the divided states. And I don't quite get how we got from oh, you have a different opinion than I do, huh? We used to call those dialogues, and now if you have a difference of opinion, well, you're wrong, and you must be stopped. And you know, it's like so. You know, uh, we just need to kind of back down a little bit and, and you know, like realize that sometimes the differences between two people is what makes this whole country gel because we need people that think real left and we need people that think real right. It's a nice little balance. But, boy, if we just try to cancel everybody, that's not going to work. So uh, I think that would be my billboard. All right. What do you think the world will look like in five years from now? It's going to be so different. I'll be interested to see where AI comes into play in terms of I've already seen jobs go away that I'm like, you know, like the attendant at the parking garage. I'm like, was that guy making so much money that we had to eliminate that job? So I'm kind of sad that so many things are done in the name of of greed. So I boy, I hope it's in a good place. But I, I think we'll see. I'll be really interested to see what media does because I'm really starting to wonder what's going to happen in the movie industry because they're not luring people back into a big black room to watch a movie with strangers when I can sit in a smaller black room with just as good a sound system in my living room and not have to pay $20 for uh popcorn, you know, so I'll be inter- interesting to see what the media does. And I'll just be interested to see hopefully by in five years from now, we can find an actual 
source of truth. I'd like to see uh, point counterpoint come back because the left isn't always right and the right isn't always right. It's somewhere in the middle. And so I'd like to see uh, actual reporting come back in and say, we did this and this person said this and this is why it's documented, not, you know, a source on Twitter said that whatever, you know, I think we need to go back to actual reporting. So hopefully that's come back into play. If not, we're doomed. If we can't, if we lose the ability to establish what is actually true, we're, we're doomed. All right. What was your favorite subject in school? I have an actual recording of this. When I was five years old, my grandma and I were playing radio. She had one of these newfangled cassette decks. <laughs> and she asked me at age five, what is your favorite subject? And my answer was recess. <laughs> uh, but in more, you know, probably my my original degree was in engineering and I am somewhat of a math nerd. I really liked physics. Physics was interesting because it was math. It was like a story problem, but it was math. So when you figured out that, you know, uh, gravity is something, forget how many feet per second, 90 feet per second per second. And it took me a while to figure out what per second per second meant. And so that was one. To me, it was just like a big puzzle. Physics was something I, I really got into in college. All right. Would you consider yourself an introvert or an extrovert? Definitely introvert. It's uh, it's kind of funny. I pretend I'm not an introvert when I'm out with people. Uh, I remember when I was married once, we were going to uh, a like a holiday party with my my then wife. And it was just, she was a nurse. So it was just doctors and nurses. I had nothing in common with any of these people. And she looked over and she said, no, no, don't do it. Don't do it. And I go, what? And she goes, you're turning into shy Dave. And I'm like, I did, you know? And so, yeah, <laughs> I, uh, I, I got fired when I was 16 from my first uh, kind of real job. And I had a, a teacher that got me the job and he said, let me tell you a piece of advice. And my, my best friend was definitely an extrovert. I just monkey hour all the time. Guys just going nonstop. And so this teacher said, see your friend, Scott. And I go, yeah. And he goes, you should be more like him. And that's it, like <laughs> asking me to grow a third arm. I was like, yeah, I, I, that's just not me. He says, all right, what I want you to do is I want you to be the way you want to be, or act the way you want to be. And someday you will be the way you act. Now today we call that fake it till you make it. But I did, I pretended I was outgoing. And uh, there, there are times when I find myself, I was at an event once I was in a, a dinner for just speakers and we were all standing around. It was kind of a, you know, uh, one of those cases where you have just a line of food and you stand up and eat and talk to people. And I was literally as far away from everybody as I could get. And I just kind of looked up and I'm like, okay, why did you come to this event? Oh, that's right. You're trying to find people for the school of podcasting who would be good people for that. Oh, that's right. Speakers. Every speaker needs a podcast. And I just said, okay, there's a person standing right there. Can you walk over to that person and say, so what brings you to the show? And I'm like, yes, I can do that. So I walked over and just kind of forced myself. So yeah, there are times when Shy Dave is is definitely still in there. That kind of reminds me when I went to our to the uh, podcast conference, because in my head, I kept saying, I'm not going to talk to anyone. I'm just going to be super shy. No one's going to approach me. And then lo and behold, I walk into the elevator for that, for that second night. And I just start going, so are you here for the conference? And they're like, which conference? I'm like, podcasting. And they're like, oh, yeah. I'm like, are you a podcaster? Yes, I am. So are you? Yeah. yeah. What is your show about? 
And then I just became this social person. Yeah, it's it's one of those things we're always worried that you're going to end up meeting somebody and you just have nothing in common or whatever. And it, it there's but I think we're all adults now to kind of realize that, oh, this isn't going to be like this is not a good connection for us. And that's when you go, well, hey, it was great meeting you. Enjoy the rest of your time here. And you, you just you just get out of it. And it's like, OK, so, yeah, it's uh, and it's it's a skill. It's something that for me, I I still struggle with and. I, um, I just, you know, anytime I get a chance to practice, I, I, I try to. All right. If you could be remembered for one thing, what would it be and why? Hmm. I think the, I would like to be like, I obviously podcasting is my, my jam. And I, I've always, the thing that really intrigued me was again, from the, the brain of a teacher I'm like, wow, this could really boost communication. This podcasting could change the world, not because everybody made a million dollars stuffing ads in it, but just the communication. I could listen to a podcast from a completely different culture and learn about that culture and and then have a better understanding of those people. So I always saw podcasting as a way to change the world in a more kumbaya kind of way. Like, let's all learn from each other and communicate. And that's why I get upset when people start changing the the meanings of words and things like that. I'm like, look, I'm in, I'm in the communication business. You're making it hard. So I think that would be it. The guy that, that was into podcasting, but more in a, let's use it to change the world for, for the better kind of uh, aspect. All right. So why don't you tell me about where you are now in life? Right now I'm in my fifties. I am sniffing sixties, you know, not right around the corner, but it's getting close. And so what I'm doing right now is there comes a time when I don't feel old, but I look in the mirror and, you know, uh, how's the old Aerosmith line go? Every day I look in the mirror, all these lines in my face are getting clear. And I'm like, all right. And I'm about 40 pounds overweight. Then I was just <laughs> like, all my life, I've tried to break stereotypes. I was a guitar player that didn't play at ear bleeding madness levels. I didn't do drugs. Uh, you know, I, I've always just tried to break stereotypes. And so one stereotype I'm not breaking right now is I have a dad bod and, you know, I, I eat bad food and I don't exercise. So I've really right now am all about, I've dropped about uh, five pounds in the past two months or so. So I'm slowly getting this weight off. And um, that's, that's kind of my main focus now that and uh, the school of podcasting. All right. Now we get to the portion of the show where First off, I ask all the listeners out there to please share this episode with everyone. And Dave, you'll share it too. Now yeah. we get into the questions. Dave, what is your favorite word? My favorite word? Oh, if we go generic, probably love. What is your least favorite word? Oh, well, that's easy. Hate. That's not a word I use lightly either. I, I don't know too many people that I actually like, oh, I hate that guy. There are people that I like more than others, but I don't think I really hate anybody. All right. What turns you on creatively, spiritually, or emotionally? Um, I mean, the generic answer is helping people, but that's that's really kind of it. I mean, when I, I don't know, again, I don't know what the gene is in my brain or whatever, but the there's definitely a dopamine kick when I see somebody. One of the, my favorite things to do, I did it a couple of days ago, as I walk somebody through submitting their show to 
Apple and Google and Spotify and all this other stuff. Well, we did Spotify first and then we did all the other ones. And I said, well, for lucky, let's go back and, and look at Spotify. Now your show might actually be there. Cause they're really quick at putting your show in there. And we're doing this over zoom. And I got to see his face as he realized, wow, my show is in Spotify. And I go, look at you podcaster. And he just got this huge grin on his face. And to me, that just made me light up like a Christmas tree. All right. What turned you off? Negativity and kind of like what I mentioned before, the, this whole cancel culture thing, uh, I think we should be council culture. Like if I think differently than you, that doesn't mean I'm wrong. It doesn't mean you're right. Let's learn from each other. And I'm sure we all love our children. I'm sure we all would like to save more money. There's a lot of ground that we can meet on that we agree on there's sure there's always going to be things that we disagree on one of my favorite people when i get to see him at podcast events is george rob he's a a diehard atheist and i'm not and we could not be friends because well you think differently than i do but we're both musicians we're both sarcastic we both love monty python so that's what really kind of turns me off is when somebody's like oh you think differently than i do i can't be friends with you i'm like hmm all right all right what's your favorite curse word probably the f word that's that's the one a i don't use it very much and i i kind of get it sounds weird i get upset when people say it not because i'm offended and i'm a prude i don't want to see that word lose its like oomph. you know george carlin used to joke that's the one you say for the end of the argument and to me when it's just everybody's f and this and f and that and i'm like hey let's let's hold off let's find another adjective let's keep that one and only bring it out you know in case of emergencies and it's because that's really the point of most of the time when people use that they're trying to show that i really hate this so or i really love this you know it's like oh i'm effing this and i'm like okay well let's not use it all the time but you know it, it still has a lot of meaning if somebody just says straight up f you that usually gets their attention but let's let's not overuse it but that's probably one that uh i like it and the other thing is it can be a verb it can be a noun. It can be, it's a, a fun word in that way. Have you ever listened to the, the, the um, it's, it's a YouTube video called the, um, the definition of the word fuck. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, I forget, um, who hosts that, but I've seen that. There was a thing on Netflix, Netflix too. They did a bunch of, uh, the history of all the different curse words. Yeah, I think I've from. seen that. Yeah. All right. all right. What sound or noise do you love? Kids laughing. That always one of my favorite uh, memories. I, I remember when my niece was probably three years old. She was super smart for a kid. And she was just giggling, just uncontrollably laughter. And I was just like, man, that's the coolest sound. And I, I walked by and I go, Emily, what are you doing? And she said, Roger Rabbit is teaching me reading. Oh. And I was like, and that's when I learned that actually affected me a lot. Because when I became a teacher, I, I try to make my style edutainment. I want to make you laugh while I'm also teaching you. Cause she didn't realize she was getting smart. She was just having fun with a computer program. So uh, I just remember that as, as one of my favorite things. It was just this so pure and innocent and just awesome to, to listen. So. All right. What sound or noise do you hate? Uh, boy, probably. I think the one that everybody hates the smoke alarm with a dead battery, that chirp. Have you ever had that situation? Beep. you're like what yes that is that is one because the minute you hear it 
you're like, first of all, the first time you've heard it, you had to figure out what's going on. Yeah. But now when you hear it, you're like, ah, oh, it's the smoke alarm. It needs a battery. And then it's always happens. It's something really convenient, like at three 30 in the morning. Yeah. Then you have to like, Oh, please, please tell me I have a nine volt somewhere that I could do. So that's one that I just go, as soon as I hear it, I'm like, ah, uh, you know, so, but that's my fault for not, I forget what, there's a couple holidays you're supposed to replace your batteries in your smoke detector. And I always forget. All right. What's your favorite color? Black. What's your least favorite color? Least favorite? Probably, probably like aqua-ish. I don't know why. That just I was trying to think about. It. I'm like, well, yellow's not bad. Orange isn't bad. Red. I'm like, aqua's kind of a, you know. As I look at it now, I have a Amazon screen in front of me. I'm like. I don't hate it. It's just not something that I would be like, oh, let's get some clothing made out of that. All right. What profession other than your own would you like to attempt? Mm. It's weird. See, I would love to be a professional musician, but that's a rough gig. I mean, I love to play the guitar. So if it wasn't this, oh, that's a great... Um that I would attempt this. It should be something I've never done then. Right. Cause I liked being a waiter. It just, you know, was one of those things that when I got a better job, it was gone. Uh, I'd say teacher, but I've already done it. So something new tour guide, which again is kind of teaching still. So it's, it's an offshoot, but we have a, uh, a mansion in Akron, Ohio that I've actually almost volunteered to go work at. Uh, it's the uh, founder of the Firestone, uh, rubber company. It's called Stan. He would, if you're ever in Akron, definitely go check it out. And every time I go through that, which is about every two years, cause it's really cool. I'm always like, you know, that'd be cool to be the tour guide. All right. What profession would you not like to do? Third grade teacher. I, uh, I love teaching, not little kids. My sister-in-law, God bless her, teaches third grade. And I went with her once on a field trip. And it's weird to think that at one point, I think there were second grade when I think about it. But anyway, it's weird to think that there was a time when you didn't know how to tell time. Um, you didn't, you know, they're just these little kids. And I remember we went on a field trip and I had to take the boys in to go to the restroom. And they're literally doing the the Beavis and Butthead thing where they're sticking their hand under the water to make the water come out. And I'm just <laughs> like, can we do our business and leave, boys? And I was just like, I have a lot of patience, but not if you sick you know, 17 second graders at me at once. I'm, I I might have to uh, take a break. So that was when I was like, I love teaching, not second graders. <laughs> All right. If heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? Well done, good and faithful servant. All right. When heaven, when you arrive at heaven, who would you like to meet? Uh, my grandpa. My grandpa died when I was two. And uh, so I'm hoping when I show up, grandpa's there standing right next to my mom. All right. What podcasts do you recommend my listeners listen to? Congressional, or there's two, congressionaldish.com. Jen Briney reads the bills that go through Congress and your brain will explode because you'll find out. And she tries to be, you know, neither left nor right. She's just reading the facts. And then she'll say, and here's who voted on this. And sometimes it's, Wow, I can't believe all the Republicans did this. Sometimes I'm sometimes you're like, wow, I can't believe all the Democrats voted for that. So that's one, especially if you're in the US. 
And the other one is, again, kind of deconstructing the media. And that's called the No Agenda Show. And it's uh, Adam Curry, who is the guy that in one of the guys that invented podcasting. And yes, that's the same guy from MTV. And then John C. Dvorak, who's an old uh, tech writer. And they just deconstruct the media. And uh, it's a great show. I know Dvorak all too well from uh, the G4 TV days and tech TV and and all that. And finally, it's a great show. Yeah, it is. And finally, where can people find out more about you and the School of Podcasting? Yeah, I make it super easy. Schoolofpodcasting.com is where that's my main flagship. I have a lot of other shows. If you want to go to those, uh, powerofpodcasting.com is a website that has all my shows and my book and everything there. So that's just a kind of a link tree looking thing. But the main site is schoolofpodcasting.com. And that's it, ladies and gentlemen. That was Dave Thomas of the School of Podcasting. And I'll catch you in the next one. See you there. I want to believe in the truth, but only see what I'm shown. Got the freedom to choose, but can't decide on my own. Follow what the group is thinking. Bottle up my intuition till it's popping out the box that I don't fit in. I want to believe in the truth, but only see what I'm shown. Got the freedom to choose, but can't decide on my own. Follow what the group is thinking. Bottle up my intuition till it's popping out the box that I don't fit in. Shape shifting, same player, different position. The definition could stick with them. Drifting through these layers of wisdom. I took a break from tradition. I move away from what's expected. Change the music ride the way but keep the message question this dimension is still deception every entrance have good intentions no exceptions and leave the rest up to the heavens your only plan to be the seeker and become yourself because more than half would you believe in was crafted to be misleading for the benefit of someone else i want to believe in the truth but only see what i'm shown got the freedom to choose but can't decide on my own follow what the group is thinking bottle up my intuition till it's popping out the box that i don't fit in I wanna believe in the truth, but only see what I'm shown. Got the freedom to choose, but can't decide on my own. Follow up the group is thinking, bottle up my intuition till it's popping up the box that I don't, I don't fit in. Hey, hey, yeah, I don't fit in. Hey, hey, I don't fit in. Hey, hey, yeah, I don't fit in. Hey, hey, I don't fit in. I don't clap the score applause, I don't walk right in the traps. While you closing in the walls, I'll be using out the cracks. Sit and relax, don't breathe. These are the facts, close at least. Living a mask, suckers. Keep moving along to the beat, brainwash, rinse and repeat. Keep pulling about with the sheep. I'll go, got and Eve. Know what I mean? Probably not. Honesty shocks, it's fineness. The only box I'll ever fit in is the one that I die. I wanna believe in the truth, but only see what I'm shown. Got the freedom to choose, but can't decide on my own. Follow what the group is thinking, bottle up my intuition till it's popping out the box that I don't fit in. Wanna believe in the truth, but only see what I'm shown. Got the freedom to choose, but can't decide on my own. Follow what the group is thinking, bottle up my intuition till it's popping out the box that I don't fit in. Hey, hey, yeah, I don't fit in.